I'm Lynette Zhang, Chief Market Analyst here at ITM Trading, a full-service physical gold and silver dealer specializing in strategies. And much as I always tell you that they have a plan, so you need to have a plan too, you know, their plans are just are not seem to be going really well, or at least the overt plans that we know about. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The Feds, but not just the Feds, but the Feds' big policy mistake. You hear that sucking sound? Because that's your wealth going down the drain. Oh, we need to have a sucking sound. Would you make a note of that, Megan? I mean, seriously. So, all right, bubble fears. Oh my God, these markets are so severely overvalued and yet they keep pumping money into it. Now I know, which we'll talk about in a second, that the Fed has just announced that they will begin to taper, but it is not clear to me why we need to continue to run monetary policy so hot. Uh, the economy is doing just fine, but the collateral damage it's creating, the unintended consequences that are resulting are spreading. This is a Fed that's going to wait and I fear is going to fall behind and we risk a pretty big policy mistake. And one of the things that I've noticed, and maybe you've noticed this as well, every time they say, well, there's a big problem here, they always think that it'll be, but the problem really hasn't created all of those dysfunctions yet. Give me a break, would you please? because these easy money policies have unintended consequences that frankly, well, not the people at the top of the K, they're doing just great. But those at the bottom of the K are really feeling small businesses, individuals. So let's just take a look at this easy money policy because I also thought that it was really interesting. U.S. financial conditions are near the loosest in four decades. Okay, well, uh, actually, they are the loosest in history. Why don't we just say the truth? This line, oh, I didn't do a line there, but here's the line where it's showing you. I mean, there's no other policy that even comes close to that. This is 2000, this is 2008. Okay, and here we are, and we're supposedly recovering. We are not recovering. Now, you know that it's insanity, and you know that the bubbles are rising when you have junk quality. So this is admitted that they are more likely to default, that are outperforming, that's his black line here. That is triple C. That is definitely junk quality, like at the quality, at the lowest level, almost, except it's still got a rating on it. And it has outperformed any of the higher quality rating levels. Not that you can trust the grading services. They have admittedly loosened up. I mean, they haven't quite said it in that way. But after all, these companies that have taken on so much debt, well-known names, well names like, you know, Kraft or something like that, you know, company like that, 
really well known. So they're left at a triple B level when they shouldn't be. And they have admitted this. The grading services have admitted this. So we've got a huge problem on our hands. And if you are in these fiat money markets, I mean, look, can I give you guarantees? Not really, other than I'll show up and do the work. But the reality is, is insanity does not last forever, even when you think that it could. Even emerging market debt is, is uh, not performed as well as the lowest quality junk grading bonds. Now, I, I, I do not want you to mistake my saying this for telling you to go and run into these fiat markets because I like you too much and because my obligation is to give you the truth as I see it with lots of proof underneath. You have a different opinion than me, rock and roll hoochie coo. I can't tell you that you shouldn't. I want you to have an opinion. I want it to be strong and I want it to be educated. But of course, that's up to you. However... The insanity continues. You've now got forward price earnings ratios at the highest level, over 30 times earnings, when in reality, the average is 15 times earnings. And I really even question this graph, but okay, this was from Bloomberg, okay. So that means that the market should fall just to be fairly valued 50%. So what's propped it up? Well, the index, according to Morgan Stanley, the index has been propped up by record retail. This we've talked about. I'm coming back to this. I'll read this and then we'll discuss it. The index has been propped up by record retail passive inflows this year and is not indicative of the increasing uncertainty many companies are now facing as we try to fully restart the economy. This is an accident that is waiting to happen. But what happens, history tells us, and, and I'm going to do a redo of just before the crash, probably three weeks. Um, and I'm just going to make a note of that. So uh, just before. Okay. So when you see the retail investors come into these markets, when it is time to prop them up, interestingly enough, history tells us that that's when the central banks will determine that it's just too expensive to do it. It happens every time, every single time. So actually, when you see retail rushing into the markets, that's the time to be more cautious, definitely not less. No FOMO, no FOMO. Okay, so let's see. This just happened on November 3rd. Fed sings the transitory inflation refrain as he unveils bond buying taper. So they're going to buy a little bit less. But... Powell says, I don't think that we're behind the curve. Well, as I told you, showed you on the first slide, a lot of experts, and I definitely agree, they are way behind the curve because they're between a rock and a hard place. So they're going to try and run off their balance sheet, but the reality is, can they raise interest rates? I'm not even sure that they can run off their balance, well, run off their balance sheet. That just means buying a, a few less bonds at a really slow pace so the market can digest it. 
But as far as raising rates, they're not raising any rates. They kept the rates steady. Oliver had to be in here today. But they kept the rates steady because they cannot raise rates into this tsunami of debt that they have inspired and created and taken on themselves. So I strongly, strongly, strongly disagree. Pal, you are way behind the eight ball and you, here's my magic eight ball. Let's ask it. Okay. Let's see. Is, are the, is the federal reserve behind the eight ball? Oh, yes. It says the magic eight ball says, heck yes. I agree, Magic 8-Ball. I totally agree with you. Central banks in developed economies globally are shifting their attention to the risk of inflation as supply chain logjams spur shortages among strong demand. The Fed's preferred inflation measure was 4.4% in the 12 months ending September. We're getting a new number tomorrow, so we'll talk about that then the highest in three decades and more than double the central bank's target. But here's really the kicker. Okay. So, you know, Hey, I warned you when he said they were going to do an average that they were going to let inflation run really hot. This is really hot because they don't really have a choice. There is nothing they can do to battle this because they are between a rock and a hard place. Historically, you know, it, it's more about debt borrowing because really when they want to inspire um, inflation, what do they do? They drop rates down and get people to borrow and spend. When they want to slow down inflation, they raise rates up so that people stop borrowing to spend. They can't do, they can't really do, well, they can drop rates below zero, but they cannot raise rates. I'm, I'm not saying they're not going to try, but they're not, they're not going to be able to do it. So yeah, they're way behind the curve, but consumers expectations, that's what counts. It's not reality that counts. That doesn't matter. It's the expectations. So that's why that 2% target is so important. Because if they can keep it at 2%, they get their inflation, but you don't notice it. And therefore you don't have any expectations of rising inflation. But now it's so in your face that you cannot ignore it. And you have much higher levels of expectations. So at the same time, they came out with their, the Fed came out with their financial stability report. Now I just did the global one from the IMF last week. And I'm going to, I'm going to postpone the 25 ounces of gold until next week for two reasons. The key reason is, is because I'm about 95% done with it, but I really need to do a good job. And so I need another week. I'm sorry, but I do. I need another week to do a good job for you. But also because I want to go over the financial stability, the Fed's financial stability report. Really, really interesting. And I'll be doing that on Thursday. Okay. So the Fed warns in their financial stability report of run up of risky asset prices and stable coins. There is so much risk in this system. It is mind boggling. This is their balance sheet. Now I would like, 
you, I would like you to see something here because it's not like after the first QE that they did that they didn't want to stop. They tried to, but the markets didn't like it. Who's really running this show? Frankly, it really is the markets. It are the traders. They tried again. That didn't work. Then they tried to just kind of hold it steady and normalize and run off their balance sheet a little bit, which they're not doing yet. They're not talking about running anything off, just buying a little bit less. Okay. And I mean a tiny bit less. And in 2016, they tried to raise rates. Big fat fail. Every single attempt. So will the next attempt to be different? No, it will not. We are, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't have technical confirmation, but I think that the hyperinflation has already, it's laid its foundation. I think I, I maybe they'll pull something out of their ears. I, I, I mean, I don't know, but they don't have any tools to fight this. And it's not just here. This is really global. And, you know, it's really an interesting thing that's happening because you have the uh, advanced economies like the U.S. and, oh, England. And then, and they are keeping rates where they are. Really, the bank surprised markets somewhat by keeping interest rates unchanged on Thursday. Many investors had, ba had backed it to become the first major central bank to hike rates since the onset of the coronavirus pandemic. And eh, they didn't do it because they really can't do it. So are they behind the, the ball to fight inflation? Yes, and they're not going to be able to catch up. British inflation slowed unexpectedly in September, rising 3.1% in annual terms. But analysts expect this to be a brief respite for consumers. August 3.2 annual climb was the largest increase since records began in 97 and vastly exceeded the bank's 2% target. So they all have that 2% in mind because that's kind of like the sweet spot where you, the consumer, don't notice it even though it's happening. Remember, the big experiment from central banks was the control of the rate and the speed of the inflation. I think they've lost control. Now, when the traders come in and start really pushing rates up, then you'll be able to see it. But all of this is already telling me that they've lost control. The bank now expects inflation to rise further to around 5% in the spring of 2022 before falling back to the 2% target by late 2023. Shall we hold on to these garbage words? Because they have no idea what's going to happen in 2022 or 2023 or 2025. But they do know that a crisis, a big crisis, is on its way. That's what they know. Asked whether Thursday's policy decision had damaged the bank's credibility. Key, key, key. Because it's all, every con game requires confidence. So the central bank's credibility is really critical, just like inflation expectations. It's the expectations. That's what's critical, not the reality. And, and well, you know, he says, well, it was conditional on whether it begins to see a medium term. I mean, that's just garbage, but it's, it's actually not garbage. Sorry. I'm going to read it. 
Bailey stressed that his previous remarks that the MPC would have to act on inflation were conditional on whether it begins to see medium-term inflation expectations becoming de-anchored. In other words, as long as they think, as long as you think that inflation is not going to run rampant, then they're just going to keep their policy still and be behind the eight ball. We don't see yet, we don't yet see, and we don't see evidence of that happening. But of course, we are in what I might call a sort of a very fragile period, you think? God, in that sense, because we've got inflation going well above target. The warning signs are there. The bells are ringing, as it were. So we have to watch this carefully, and that's what we're doing. And that's what the advanced economy central bankers are doing. They are watching. Why are they watching? Because they have no tools. Not saying they won't make some attempts. And, And Lord only knows what they can dream up next. Let's try anything and throw it on the wall. But there are always unintended consequences from this. The uh, MPC also voted six to three to continue existing program of UK government bond purchases at a target stock of 875 billion pounds, 1.2 trillion. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing, whether you're in England, whether you're in the US, and frankly, in any advanced economy. This is really, this is really not good. And even... The emerging markets that have, let me kind of go back here for a second, that have indeed, that have indeed been attempting some, I mean, some countries have certainly been attempting to raise rates, Poland, Mexico, um, a number of countries in emerging markets have been attempting to raise rates, but the markets don't really care about their raising rates. And that's what I think is going to happen on a global basis. For a minute, they might care and they and money might flow there because they're looking, they're reaching for that yield. So if they're raising rates, that means that they're going to get higher yield. But they're doing it, as you saw, in a very unsafe way. They're taking a lot of risk for that pickup in yield. So you're, I mean, I've spoken to people that are, are getting like, you know, one or 2% on their money and they're risking their entire principal for 2%. If you got paid back 2% a year, how long do you have to hold that until you get your money out? See, Oliver agrees with that. It's ridiculous. So don't risk your principal for that little bit of yield that you're really not getting Because if your principal is gone, what will you use to recoup after this next violent crash? You won't have anything. It's critical. Here we go. U.S. productivity falls most since 1981. Hmm, What was happening in 1981? Oh, maybe the world was transitioning to a fully fiat system. Going all the way back, as you can see, now, I haven't done a piece on productivity, but many businesses have raised wages or offered incentives in recent months to attract and retain workers. 
Data out last week showed wages and salaries surged in the third quarter by the most on record. Even so, labor constraints have limited output growth and aggravated transportation challenges. Price pressures remain extremely elevated across a variety of inflation metrics. If productivity growth fails to materially pick up in the coming quarters, it could fuel concerns about the rapid pay increases creating a wage-driven inflationary spiral. Well, I'm happy to tell you and quite proud that my grandson now just got his first job. He's 15 years old. And I won't say where he got the job, but he can actually only work every other week because of shared time with his other, between his two parents. And uh, it'll be interesting because what was the wage that he started out, Megs? $16 an hour. He doesn't have any experience. So I hope he does really well. I'm really proud of that. But that's what you are paying 15-year-olds because businesses need bodies. So they will take any bodies that they can get their hands on. But here's the other piece of that. Once you give that wage, you can't cut it back. So much as the Fed wants to keep talking and other central bankers want to keep saying that inflation is transitory, eh, not transitory, not transitory. Because look at this, wholesale prices, so the PPI uh, prices rise 8.6% year over year in October, tied for the highest ever, this is the Federal uh, Reserve's the Fred graph on PPI. And um, I mean, you're, we're going all the way back to 1913 here when the Fed took control. Do you see it? Now, this is uh, over a couple of months, but do you see it rise quite that steeply at any other point in here going all the way back? I mean, I... I hope I'm wrong, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I can't really tell you that I'm wrong. And the other piece that the markets are counting on, that everybody's counting on, are the savings. We keep hearing how much cash is sitting on the sidelines. Well, when the government was out there giving people that extra chunk of money, the unemployment, etc., savings went all the way up. Now they're all the way back down to where they were, wow, going back to, um, you know, about 2000 and looks like 15. Now I'm wondering, do you think that that's because everybody feels like everything is hunky-dory and they really don't need that nest egg in case of emergencies? Or do you think that people have had to have used the money that they saved to get through all of this inflation that we're all experiencing. But don't worry about that because they just passed the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill and it will affect all, all lives, but they're telling us that it's paid for and it's not paid for. So the only way that they can do that is deficits, 
Excuse me, I didn't want to take a drink, but I did. Okay, so deficits, raising taxes, cutting services. So this is the deficit spending, but you know, the question is, how many times can you be lied to when you do not know the truth? And the answer is every single time. And that's why I do this work and give you all the evidence so you can go and do your own due diligence. Because once you know the truth, that the currency is dying, you make different choices. Again, from their financial stability report, which, which I may or may not talk about this piece, but the Fed flags China concerns as the deadline looms. <clears throat> now, so far, the Evergrande payment has not been made, but the deadline to make it is tomorrow on Wednesday. So that's happened before where they've had a deadline and they made it right at the last moment. But a 30-day grace period on some Evergrande coupons uh, payment is set to end on Wednesday. While the developer has paid other overdue coupons at the tail end of the grace period, its dollar notes remain at distressed levels. Creditors are bracing for an eventual debt restructuring that could rank among the largest ever in China. So these are the debts that are coming due uh, starting in 2022. We've talked about this before. The pink are the yuan denominated bonds. Can't even see the blue, which are Hong Kong denominated bonds. The black are all the dollar denominated bonds. And remember, that means that Evergrande has to go out. Even though they don't earn dollars in China, they earn yuan. They have to convert the yuan into dollars to pay this. So will they make that payment tomorrow? I don't know, but they're not the only ones that are in trouble. That bond route shifts from Evergrande to all of the other big developers. And this is what's happening to their bonds, right? Now, we're, you know, we've been raised to think, especially, oh, they've guaranteed it, they've guaranteed it. Well, you know, I'm sure, I'm sorry, but if you're working with an entity that, that does not have the ability to create their own money, well, this is a contract and any contract is only as good as the counterparty to the contract. You know, it's not a contract. This is not a contract. This is real. This is not a contract. This is real. I hold it. I own it outright and it runs no counterparty risk. In fact, it is the only financial asset, not according to me, but according to the, well, according to me, but primarily according to the Bank for International Settlements, the only financial asset that runs no counterparty risk, the only one, period, the only one. Everything else is all counterparty risk and they're getting nervous about that risk not just at Evergrande, but all of the other big developers in China. So here they are. And just the five, let's see, five issuers make up 49% of the total US dollar junk debt. So, well, maybe nobody, oh, wait, 
I'm, I'm sure I'm but butchering this, but Kaisa misses wealth product payout on unprecedented stress. In fact, they say that their investment product is guaranteed and it's overdue. How many times have I heard, but it's guaranteed? More than I care to hear about. Because again, any guarantee is only based on the claims paying ability of the entity that gives you that guarantee. That's not a very good guarantee to tell you the truth. So their bonds and shares tumbled on Thursday on mounting concerns over its financial health. The company joins troubled industry giant Evergrande in see, seeing its cash crunch reach the point where it hurt investor ver, investors in high yielding wealth products. Well, what that wealth is, it goes to Kaia and Evergrande and any of the companies. And there, there's a point that I want to make here too, because I know that there are people out there that think that debt is a good thing and leverage and all of that and this environment because it's debt-based and it's so critical, blah, blah, blah. But as I have said before, I will say it again and I'll probably say it again in the future too. I'm good with debt as long as it's fixed rate debt and you have the ability to boom, pay it off in a moment's notice. Because if you can't, then whatever asset you bought with that debt, like a mortgage, goes away. Oh, wait, Chinese developer control. Oops, sorry, that was Oliver. Megan, it's okay. She's, well, this is scary. I understand that. Chinese developer controlled by the government is latest to plunge. So the finance ministry controls just under 30% of Sino Oceans or Sino Oceans shares, and they're plunging too. So could that indicate could that indicate that the population, that the public is losing confidence in the government? Because it certainly could. And you, bucko, I'm losing confidence in you. Okay, sit. Come on. Down. Okay. Because it's not just the real estate, and real estate is a big issue in China since so many, that's where so much of Chinese wealth is held, but food inflation prices in China climbed every single week of October. And then what they did, what's the solution? Delete the data. It's just like the solution has always changed the formula, not the behavior, not what's happening. Let's just hide what's really happening as best we can, because what are they gonna do? The latest weekly report from China's Commerce Ministry confirmed a trend of rising food prices, but the data released Tuesday afternoon was deleted from the ministry's site as of Wednesday morning. It had shown that the week ended October 31st saw a food price increase of 3.7% from the prior week with pork prices rising by 10.6% and that of chicken eggs up by 4.4%. Now look, the overall food, whatever. 
the overall food price gains followed a 4.3% increase the prior week. Now, here's the thing. During a hyperinflationary event, food becomes your biggest issue, your biggest one. So what have I done? I have turned my property into an urban farm. I have made sure that no matter what happens, my family and I and neighbors and friends and people I don't know can still eat. I, I wish I could feed the world, that's the truth, but I, I can't do that. But I am certainly doing my best to feed as many people as possible. Do not wait. Maybe you can't convert or don't want to convert your entire property into food production, but you really need to make sure that your food security is in place. That's critical. And there are lots of different ways to do it. We'll, we'll talk about that more in the future. I have some things coming up. But we are seeing the food inflation in China where what makes people feel wealthy in China? It's their real estate, which has now been plateauing. You know, taking on debt to create wealth creates the appearance of wealth, but not real wealth because it can go away even faster than you accumulated it. So what's an investor to do? Well, look at this. Investors throw cash at any ETF with inflation in the name. We've seen that before. Put crypto in the name, they'll buy it. It doesn't even have to do anything with it. And so here we go. Every single ETF with the word inflation in either its name or description, every single ETF has posted inflows so far this year a rare degree of one-way conviction among the investing masses because they think they have no choice. We have been taught to think that the only thing to invest in is what Wall Street tells you to invest in. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, even real estate that has been converted into a Wall Street asset as we've seen. But transitory or not, it's real and it's in advisors' faces and there aren't a lot of great alternatives available for them to solving the inflation conundrum. Oh, inflation management is really not about growth or investing. It's just about preserving buying power. Boom, this has done it for thousands of years. This is what we'll do it today too. So they're just looking for, looking for safety in all the wrong places. This is where you go for safety. Primarily this, secondarily that. Because this is the purchasing power. This represents inflation officially from the Federal Reserve. And since the central bank took control here, well, yeah, we had a little brief period during the depression and it looks, well, but hey, it's not going down that bad now, right? Well, this is just from the beginning of this year. That's a lot. That's why you're seeing prices go up so much. But what does the Bank for International Settlements say? 
Gold has been empirically proven to serve as an inflation hedge at least over longer periods of time. Why? Because in the short term, they have the lovely spot market, which is a Wall Street invention designed to control how you think about gold and silver. It's a trading tool. It does not really represent either one of these physical in your possession. So the question is, do you want to eat that? No. The question is, how many times can you be lied to when you do not know the truth? And the answer is every time. But the reality is now you know the truth. And if you're watching my work and then going into the blog and clicking on a link that interests you, you've got all the images, you've got all the links, go and read these reports. <laughs> God, I shouldn't have let him in. I'm sorry, you guys. But, you know, go in and read the reports. I'm going to be showing you the financial stability report from the Fed on Thursday. But if you want to protect your purchasing power, this is what you need, period. And you know who's going to help drive that home? Next week, I'm so excited. I'm going to have on RPAD from Star Path Academy. He actually lived through hyperinflation in Romania, and he'll talk about how it felt to live through it from the perspective of an average person. Critical for you to know critical and very important. So is that on uh, next Tuesday? That's on next Tuesday at what time? 11? Our time? Uh, I think so. But anyway, just stay tuned to our socials and we'll let you know when that's coming up. Because, okay. So we'll let you know. Just stay tuned to the socials. We'll let you know. And also, that is a perfect reason if you have not yet subscribed to subscribe, hit that bell. We'll let you know when we're going live. We'll let you know when that's coming out. But if you like this, please give us a thumbs up. Make sure that you share, share, share. See, Oliver is just so upset about this. And by the way, this is one of my layers of security. So, you know, you can see you've been kind of watching him grow up from an itty bitty puppy. I mean, he's still just a little bit over a year old, but nobody's going to mess with me. He's about 130 pounds now. He's not done growing. Nobody's going to mess with me when they see him. And he loves me, as you can see, and I love him too. But I'm telling you, when I see him coming at me down the hall, it makes me cringe and it'll make anybody cringe. So it's food, water, energy, security, barterability, wealth preservation, community, and shelter. These are all important things to have in place so that you can weather this reset and sustain your current standard of living and if you have that wealth preservation in place, which you're going to see with the 25 ounces of gold, please forgive me for not getting it done this week. But I, I, I mean, it's important that it's as good as I can make it at any rate. I'll do my best. That's all I can promise you. So share all of these videos. And if you haven't started your strategy yet, or if you don't have a plan in place, just click that Calendly link below and talk to one of our consultants. We work very closely together. They're going to talk to you about the strategy that I created 
in, well, I started studying currencies in 1987. So it took me a while to see the patterns, but it's the strategy that I originally created for myself. And then there's lots of smart people at ITM. We come together and have made it better and better and better. So click that Calendly link, set an appointment. If a time isn't available, call us and set whatever works for you. So as you know, and I mean a gazillion percent, it is time to cover your assets. And here at ITM Trading, we use the Wealth Shield. And the foundation of the Wealth Shield is physical gold and silver in your possession, runs no counterparty risk, fights inflation, protects your purchasing power, get it done. And until next we meet, please be safe out there. Bye-bye.